Hey, welcome to another edition of the Houdat Jedi podcast. And uh, as always, joining me from all different points in uh, New Orleans because screw COVID. Um, you can McClunky that out if you want to, uh, Dave. Uh, but we got Dave and Fredo, as always. So say hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Uh, and, but we will, and we'll, I'll give a quick introduction of our, we've got two people joining us today. Um, so Jason Robbins and Derek Diamond. Uh, I'll give a more formal introduction here in a little bit, but just how you guys doing and where, where are you all at? Not you can go st- first, Jason. Uh, doing great. I'm actually based in uh, Ocean Springs, Mississippi, and um, hopefully the hurricane will not affect my weekend. <laughs> right on. I- and I'm based out of Pensacola, Florida, and we're still recovering from the last hurricane that hit here a couple of weeks ago. So uh, it's, those things give some long-term effects, but hopefully you guys will uh, will be okay this weekend. Yeah, we just had one hit front to the west of us and one hit to the right of us. And now I have a feeling this one's going to go right up the freaking middle and hit us head on. So we'll see. Yeah, it's uh, what tracking tracking a bit west of us now. It looks like it's going to be poor Lake Charles. I mean, good yeah. lord. I yeah. mean, that's just insult to injury. Um, so anyway, but. Um, yeah, well, let's go. Let's move on to happier things. This is not a hurricane <laughs> podcast. Um, but actually, our topic tonight, it's not going to be about Star Wars, which, like I said, is just fine. There are other things to talk about uh, than Star Wars. And when we started this podcast, there we, is? we wanted to be kind of geeky. <laughs> I, say, I know. didn't know there was anything to talk about other than Star Wars. <laughs> but uh, so we're going to be talking about it. Actually, started, we were kind of joking about it in a podcast a couple weeks ago, right, Dave? Where I was like, yeah. We started talking about Halloween video games. I said, that sounds like an episode. So guess what? We're going to be talking about Halloween video games. Um, and like I said, I will have a couple things to add on that, but I'm just mainly going to moderate here. But we do have to give our little fair share of Star Wars. Let's start off, as always, with Star Wars trivia. Um, one question each from the Trivial Pursuit DVD Star Wars Saga edition. So this is just episodes one through six. None of the sequels. There's no Clone Wars stuff, so we're not making you do the homework or anything. Um, all right, so uh, Fredo, I'm going to start with you because um, I don't want to throw our guests to the wolves. <laughs> all right, so how does Luke address Darth Vader for the first time on Endor's Imperial landing platform? The short answer, okay, so the short easy answer is father. Uh, I guess that'll be the answer. Because the longer one's when he goes, you know, I accepted that you were once Anakin Skywalker. Well, actually, yeah, he, it is father because he says, I know, father. And then yeah. that's when Vader gets all up in his business. So, <laughs> all right. So uh, let's see here. Let's throw it to uh, Jason. You're next because, like okay. I said, you got the Stormtrooper Mario poster. It's too bad this isn't a video podcast. That was an awesome <laughs> poster behind you. Uh, uh, so what diplomat is vice chairman of the Senate under Chancellor Valarum and Palpatine. Oh, that's kind of a... Yeah, you gave him a hard one. That's a bogus <laughs> question. You gave him a hard one there. What, I... what diplomat is vice chairman of the Senate under Chancellors Valorum and Palpatine? Uh, I'm going to say it's the guy with the horn, the blue guy with the horns going up, but I don't remember his name. It is. It is. I'm, we're going to give you credit for that one because, yes, it is. Is na- anybody anybody got the name, by the way? Uh, Masamita. Oh, look at you. 
Nerd. Yeah. Nerd. Nerd. I'm on a Star Wars podcast talking about video games. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. Uh, Dave, we're going to you. Um, who sees Luke across a Cloud City corridor and yells a warning that he's walking into a trap? Oh, come on, man. Well, I, I felt bad for you just then, Jason, when I was reading it. I felt bad for you. Oh, see, now I'm second-guessing myself because um, I know Princess Leia uh, yells, it's a trap. So, Princess Leia. It is Princess Leia. Yep, yep, yep. All right. So, uh, let's see here. Derek, we'll go to Derek, you. Derek, what was the Sarlacc's mother's name? <laughs> 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 Who is the Sarlacc's second cousin twice removed? Yeah. <laughs> A little Spaceballs reference there. I love it. All right. So what dropped item does Obi-Wan's clone commander find and return to him? That would be his lightsaber. Would be his lightsaber. Yep. That is right. And then shoots him off a cliff. Him. Yeah. Right. I, actually, yeah. That, that, that always made me wonder about Order 66. It's like, when they get the order, it's like, okay, yep, it's time. Here we go. But if so, was it always in their forward consciousness? Because otherwise, why the hell would you give him back his lightsaber? I don't know. Anyway, that's for a topic for another, another day. All right, so is it my turn now? Yeah, I think so. Um, all right, so what Gungan leader issues the command starting up the shield? And I even used the right cadence there. That was uh, Captain Tarfels. Yep, Captain Tarfels. So there we go. That's our our Star Wars trivia. Now everybody feels adequately warmed up. Um, so, Fredo, let's uh, toss it to you for a couple little news bits before we okay. do our video game stuff. So, yeah. So, yeah, realistically, this week we had one big set of news that just got dumped on Twitter. Uh, but I'll start with a smaller one, which... Kind of comes to us from German Disney Plus Instagram because that's what you expect to make news. I thought it was Danish. Uh, well, no, it's uh, well, no. Or did, or did people just assume that it was Danish because it said D E and they didn't think of that yeah. Deutsch? Okay. Yeah, basically, I think that's what it was. Basically, uh, they put out this uh, Disney Plus is putting ads everywhere, and in the ads for the German Disney Plus service, they included Rosario Dawson and Timothy Oliphant as cast members for Mandalorian season two. Now, I'll stress, Lucasfilm has not officially confirmed any of this, but at this point, it's almost fait accompli that they're gonna be in there because they also included Sasha Banks, who we've seen in the trailer uh, last month. So, yeah, I, I I don't know why Lucasfilm now doesn't just, you know, say, yes, they're in, or no, the, the Germans are full of crap. I don't know why don't they, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. have always been notoriously tight-lipped about stuff, so it, it doesn't really surprise me. Well, yeah. actually, it, it doesn't surprise me because I actually, I, I did get to, I've mentioned it before, I got to work at Lucasfilm for a day because when I when I worked uh, for Google, we went and um, got to help Lucasfilm as they made the shift to G Suite, and we had to be escorted to the bathroom. Um, wow. <laughs> that's not surprising either well but like i said they were they were finishing up one of the avengers movies they were finishing up rogue one um they're getting started on last jedi so it was like they didn't need you know me wandering around the office like macaulay culkin or something so uh, 
which I would have done wonderfully. All right, so yeah, but I, I don't know. I don't know why they don't just uh, say yes, they're in there, but uh, whatever. Walking out with a stormtrooper outfit, like this is complimentary, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now the funny thing is, this week they did confirm who all the writers for all the episodes are, and it's Dave Filoni, it's uh, John Favreau, and I think Rick Famuyiwa wrote one episode. So it's like so, they're willing to confirm the obvious, but not. This. Speculation is that Ahsoka is going to come into episode five because that's the one that Filoni wrote. Which would make sense. If you go in yeah. that order of the, you know, the uh, writers that they gave. So, so Which are, they need to because Ahsoka is one of the most, is probably the most interesting character to come out of, you know, the kind of the post sequel you know, uh, prequel, I mean, uh, you know, Clone War era stuff. Uh, and to see her played by Rosario Dawson, if, if that's who she is playing, which we pretty much know she is, that's going to be something else if if they do it right. And if it's Dave Filoni, I got 100% uh, trust in him to, uh, to do right by her. Because she's the only character I, I think we haven't seen live action at this point. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, they, sure. yeah, I put Rex, they they retrofit him into uh, Return of the Jedi. So Rex has been in uh, live action. Yeah, that's, that's true. You, you can you can say that. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah. Have you, you've seen that in Return of the Jedi. There's an old dude with a white beard who is one of the rebel soldiers. And then later on, he's in scout trooper armor and that, like somebody like somehow during the whole legends and everything they gave they gave this guy his whole backstory and his name and everything like that and then after rebels then the lucasfilm said nope that's captain rex and yeah but with, rubble, rubble, rubble. but with the accelerated growth rate of the clones wouldn't he have been you know like a hundred quit talking reason quit talking reason <laughs> You act like logic matters. Yeah, oh. well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the whole problem because there was speculation that Captain Rex uh, and Boba Fett could make an appearance in this season, and they would not be the same age at all. <laughs> nope. So, yeah, that's that's the problem with that theory. So the, the other bit of news that came out, actually, if you remember last week, we talked about Gary Witta's uh, tweet saying, Get ready for some big news this week. Well, the big news was revealed. Basically, they came out with an excerpt out of every one of the 40 stories that are going to be in Empire Strikes Back from a certain point of view. So this is the anthology series where they've gotten 40 different authors to write 40 different separate stories about um, elements that are uh, characters or moments from Empire Strikes Back. So Gary Whitta, for example, is writing about Rogue Two, which is the uh, Sev is the character yeah, that finds. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, you got somebody else writing about General Lossel, you know, taking the story from his point of view before uh, Darth Vader does him, you know, and so to speak. They have a chapter on Dak Router. Remember Router? Uh, uh, <laughs> so there's, uh, for those of you who remember when we had Brittany Williams, Ann Williams, she's writing from the point of view of L3 as the Millennium Falcon. You remember the scene where yeah. uh, Trippy is like, I don't know where your ship learned how to speak or kind of communicate. 
we all know that that's L337, the droid of uh, Lando from Solo. So she's writing that story. So it's interesting. If you go to Delray Star Wars Twitter uh, account, you can see all you know the excerpts and who's writing what. And, and I it's think a very uh, interesting thing. Daniel Jose Older uh, has uh, it's a like a magazine interview with uh, Forlom and Zuckus, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that that sounds funny as well. Oh yeah, Fable Bounty Hunting Duo Forlom and Zuckus, and he's you know. So he's writing as the guy writing the story, but he's getting editor's notes. Yeah, I don't know if uh, Jason and Derek, if you knew this, uh, we actually have three Star Wars authors in the New Orleans area. We really? Have, uh, we have uh, Brittany Ann Williams, we have Daniel Jose Older, and we found out by talking to Brittany, uh, Claudia Gray. Lives Claudia here Gray lives in New Orleans? I didn't know that. I yeah, now nobody did. Now all 20, 20 people will listen to us. No, wow. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Timothy Zahn there for a minute too. I was like, oh, please don't tell me Timothy Zahn lives in New Orleans because I'll be stalking his. Ass. My monkey. I was about to say, if you say Timothy Zahn, I will be on my way right now. <laughs> Hurricane be dead. My monkey. Right. So that's it for the news for this week. So like I said, not much, but uh, kind of biggish. So is the uh, the Admiral Ozel uh, story? Is it going to be entitled "Clumsy and Stupid"? Well, yeah. what's funny as clumsy is, as he is stupid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's funny is uh, like in the excerpt goes, "Oh, he knows that Lord Vader's trying to discipline him with a firm hand, but he knows that he's trying to educate him how to be a better officer." And I'm just like, "Yeah, yeah. again, it's his point of view. It's his point of view." I wonder if the story's going to end with him going, "Arg." You, you wouldn't carve "arg." You'd just say, um, "No, I've got a, I've got a picture behind me." It's got because there's another story in this uh, uh, certain point of view. It's from Admiral Piet, um, and I've got a picture from a con. I got a picture taken with the guys who played Admiral Ozel and Admiral Piet, and then at a later convention, I had them both sign it. And right before that picture was taken, they were sitting behind me in an auditorium and they were discussing the fall of the Roman Empire. Hmm. It, was, it was like the most surreal moment I've, I've like, what, really? What? Well, okay. <laughs> but nice guys. Um, well, all right. Well, uh, that's the news. And, uh, uh, and I am out of here. No. Uh, so, <laughs> like I said, the main topic of tonight's show is Halloween themed video games. Uh, lots of folks this time of year lean on the spirit of the season, decorating, dressing up. I've been decorating my house I've, and my neighbors have actually said they like my decorations. But then today I had to take them all down because stupid hurricane. Um, but anyway, um, I digress. Uh, well, we thought we would play around with the idea of uh, playing spooky video games. Um, so joining us tonight are Jason Robbins and Derek Diamond. They're the creators and hosts of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, a retro gaming podcast that does a weekly deep dive into classic video games, the history of the medium, and all the latest gaming news. They're live on Twitch every Wednesday night at 7.30 Central. Uh, they also have a history in entertainment. Jason does stand-up and is active and wrote in the independent film Monsters Anonymous. Well, Derek is the writer and director of the independent short film, The Parker Syndrome, and the host of another podcast, The Derek Diamond Experience. You're not related to Dustin Diamond, are you? Unfortunately, no. Oh, darn. <laughs> okay. Um, 
Nice to have you on the show still. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> most relevant for tonight's purposes, though, every October they lean into the spooky slash haunted theme with Halloween Horror Month, uh, where they review Halloween-themed games throughout the month. So, guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be here. Uh, before I throw it to Dave, I have a question. Uh, so what we, we talked about the Netflix series uh, High Score. Uh, did you guys watch that series? Oh, of course. What what what'd you think? What just quick uh, kind of um I, I liked it, but it, it really bounced around a lot uh, as far as the timeline goes. I mean, it kind of covers a surface area of you know uh, gaming through the years. But I do have to say, if you really want a good look at um, retro gaming, there's a really good series on, uh, you can get it on uh, Amazon Prime, and it's called uh, The Video Game Years. And that one is really, really good to watch. It, it kind of covers from, uh, it, uh, there's 10 episodes starting from 1980 to 1989 and each each episode is an hour long so they cover everything that happened that year so they go through it year by year cool well that you just you just planned my weekend now all right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i've been meaning to watch that I, I haven't watched the video game years yet but i know jason you've told me nothing but great things about it and i i like that structure a lot better of kind of going through chronological order at least year by year I prefer that when it comes to a documentary, so excited to check that out. But I agree with everything Jason said about um, about high score. I was a little late to the party on watching that, but for the most part, I, I did really enjoy it. But uh, like Jason said, I would have preferred had they been a little more consistent with the order of what they told. But it's still worth checking out. Yeah, it felt kind of like they just they just stopped uh, where they obviously could have kept going into you know the the you know the xbox and the you know the playstations and everything else because it's like they just kind of stopped with doom and then that was it's like yeah. video gaming no more and uh, they covered a lot of stuff that they, you know they spent a lot of time talking to like the, you know the guy that was the sega champion in like 1994 or something and like you know that's interesting and all but you know they spit like an entire episode about that and it's like i don't want to hear about that like tell me you know tell me about the systems and you know more like what they did where they talked about uh you know the head of sega and how he had to take on you know nintendo and like the, all their you know strategies and stuff like that's the stuff that i want to see you know i think it would have been interesting if they had devoted because they do the same thing of repeating those champions and those contests if they have put them all together in one episode and kind yeah. of called it more the development of esports kind of showing okay here's where the first pac-man or whatever contests are occurring then go to stuff like the mortal Kombat tournaments the nintendo world championships and then kind of go forward to today because yeah. it would have given you a better overall this is where it started and this is where we're at right now all yeah, right because Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Jason. I was going to say, you know, they bounce from like that. They're talking about the 1994 Sega championship, and then they go and talk about, like, they'll cut and talk to, you know, Sierra online and how that mm -hmm. started. Like, what does this have to do with one another? It's just kind of like they just got all this footage, and then they just kind of rammed it all together and didn't really have, like, a solid story from beginning to end. 
Right. So the 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 tournaments that you're talking about, Fredo, I I, got, I have to tell you guys today. I I have a Nintendo Switch. Just got it uh, a couple months ago, and um, I was really I, so I tried my hand at Mario Thirty Five. Yes. Today. Uh, <laughs> no. Yes. I, 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 okay, so I, I was the I was the quintessential forty seven year old trying to play Mario <laughs> with thirty five other people going. What the hell is going on? I'm just standing there. I couldn't get him to move. I was like, all right, enough of this. And I'm just and like the secret to that game, the Super Mario 35, is not to be the fastest player. It's to get as you know, kill as many enemies as you can, um, get as many coins as you can, because the more enemies you kill, the more time you get to finish the level. And you kill those enemies, and you have uh, your right stick controls who you're going to send it to. If somebody's targeting you, you put it on, you know, like targets or whatever. And that's all the people that are targeting you. So if you kill all those enemies, you kill them, and it sends them back to those people. So you're trying to send all the enemies that you kill to other people to, right. to kind of screw them up. All right. So I'll try it again, but I was just like, it was. It was overwhelming at the at the yeah. At, yeah, <laughs> yeah at just, the just get the fire flower if you can get you know the first mushroom and then get to the first fire flower and just start mowing everything down and you're golden. Right on. Yeah. See that, and this is the stories that I got the switch um, because at the beginning of this whole quarantine pandemic thing, I was like, all right, I need something to do. So I went and revisited my Xbox and I started. I was like, yeah, I'll I'll play the Force Unleashed again, and the first thing you do in that is just slaughter a bunch of Wookiees as Darth Vader. And I was just like, no, can't, I can't handle this. I need some Mario. I need, I need something a little bit lighter. So I've been, the switch is, the switch has helped with that. Um, so, uh, I'll kick this just off real quick. Um, and then send it to Dave. But one of the first things we do with guests who join us is to ask you about your, um, basically your personal star Wars story. So, like, you can touch on whatever you want, but, you know, what are your earliest Star Wars memories? Uh, how'd you get hooked? Um, any, do the films mean anything special uh, to you? So, Derek, let's go ahead and start with you. So, my first Star Wars memory, and I, I credit my uncle with this, because he not only introduced me to Star Wars, but introduced me to Mario, Zelda, a lot of fandoms that have, traveled with me throughout my life. I've gone through so many phases, but there have been a few core ones that have stayed with me, and Star Wars is one of them. I remember I was four or five years old, and I watched Star Wars on VHS, the original unaltered Star Wars, on VHS at his house, and I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my entire life. So as soon as I was done with that, I was like, I've got to watch Empire Strikes Back, and I watched the entire trilogy in one day so that's the earliest memory that you know i can remember but then of course there's seeing the special editions with my parents in theaters and i've seen all the other star wars films in theaters on opening weekend since so was it the, the this uncle who was obviously really cool did he buy you your first beer too <laughs> <laughs> he he did not unfortunately but no i i credit him with uh, like i said a lot of stuff that has traveled with me throughout my uh my life that's awesome 
Um, one of my earliest Star Wars memories, and, and we had talked about this before on a couple of podcasts, Derek, um, about, you know, Star Wars has always been there. Like, I don't really have a first memory of ever seeing Star Wars, but I do know that I saw it in a theater when I was a kid because, you know, back in the day, they didn't have rentals. You had to actually go to the theater when, it, you know, they would re-release movies in theaters every couple of years. And my first vivid memory of watching Star Wars was they showed it on television, I think in 1979 or 1980. For the first time they showed it on television, I was just a little kid. I was maybe three years old at the time. And um, I remember the people, they were talking to people before they showed the movie and all these people were talking about, you know, doing interviews about, you know, I saw Star Wars 75 times in the theater. And I remember being a little kid going, you can go to the theater that many times and watch a movie. And of course I've seen Star Wars, you know, and I say Star Wars, it's actually episode four now. You Millennials. Um, <laughs> uh, but I still call it Star Wars. I, you know, I've seen it well over 75 times at this point, but um, I can, and I've talked to our good friend, Steve Wise about this, that I remember watching that um, TV edit of Star Wars back in, it was like 1980, 79, 80, somewhere around there. And the big dark lighter scene at Tashi station was in that cut because I had seen that. And then when they came out with all those scenes years later, you know, on the, the DVDs and stuff, I'm like, I've seen this before and I could have sworn I'd seen it. And I talked to Steve about it and he, you know, he said, you know, they would add those scenes in, you know, back in the day when they would put stuff on TV to kind of lengthen it out or whatever. So I know I saw that scene when I was a kid and it was weird because it was one of those memories. I, I didn't know if it was real or not until I had it confirmed, you know, with Steve that that probably was in that that television cut of Star Wars. Was Luke wearing the Gilligan hat? Uh, was he wearing the hat during that part? I they didn't put that part in there. It was the part where he went to Tashi Station and he was talking to Biggs before he left. Okay. Yeah, I didn't see those for the first time until they released the what we thought was the complete set on Blu-ray yeah. for the first time because it had a ton of the deleted scenes. And the cool thing about that also was, you know, I had never seen the, the holiday special Oof. until this past Christmas. <laughs> why, I, why I did that, I have no idea. But um, there was an Easter egg on that Blu-ray set where if you went to a certain portion in the menu you could enter a certain combination of buttons and you would watch the animated scene which introduced Boba Fett, which I had read about for years, but never saw it. And along with that and the big scene, because I remember you know reading books and seeing photos of that scene, but I was like, this wasn't in the movie. And then they explained you know, why it was cut and everything, but never saw it until the Blu-ray. But I do remember uh, Christmas 1980. I still have a picture of me as a little kid uh, sitting in front of the Christmas tree, literally surrounded by Star Wars toys. Got the uh, the Millennium Falcon that year, the Death Star playset. I had the, I got the twelve inch Chewbacca. I got the uh, the remote control R two D two. I got so and I'm holding up uh, uh, Han Solo still in the package, and I'm like three years old sitting there. I'm like, man, if I could just go back in time and save all that stuff. <laughs> so. For sure. So what what do you, what'd you guys think? Have you played the? Uh, do you remember playing the uh, original Star Wars arcade game? The you know, where you're in the 
X-Wing cockpit. Crafty, used to have one. We had one. graphics ever, and it's the most <laughs> awesome game ever. <laughs> we had one at the local skating rink when I was a kid. I used to play it all the time. I still want to get one of those uh, arcade one-up Star Wars machines. That'd be great. I, I have not played it, unfortunately. A few hundred bucks, and it can be yours. <laughs> yeah, but I have a small apartment with no room. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we, you know, we talked, you know, this is maybe a decent transition because we, um, we did a Star Wars video game episode uh, last spring. Um, do you guys have any personal favorite uh, Star Wars video games? I love the uh, X-Wing uh, series for PC back in the 90s. I, uh, that, TIE Fighter, um, Dark Forces, I love those games, but I don't know if I, if, I mean, I love the, the Super Nintendo, Super, Super games. I love all those, um, you know, Force, you were talking about Force Unleashed. That game was great. Like, I pretty much love anything Star Wars. So if I had to pick a favorite, I don't, I don't know if I could. Maybe the KOTOR games, Knights of the Old Republic 2 was probably yes. one of my favorite games. Like, I wish, I hope, I pray they make a TV series or a, a trilogy of movies out of KOTOR, like that storyline, the Darth Revan stuff. That stuff was just, man, that stuff was so good. You could just print the money. Yeah, take happened. all my money. Yeah. All of it. <laughs> um, for me, you know, you mentioned a lot of great Star Wars games. I also have to throw in Shadows of the Empire for the N64. It was a lot of fun. Yes. Probably the one, and I might say this just because of the sheer amount of time that I put into it, and I might get laughed at for this, but Lego Star Wars, the complete saga, <laughs> I put so much time into it. It is still to this day the only Xbox game that I ever got every single achievement on because I just played that game so, so much because those, those Lego games are so addicting. Like There's not a ton of thought that have to go into them. You just jump in and just like watching the characters, you know, like even when you die, it's hilarious because it's just little <laughs> Legos breaking apart and everything. But no, I like Jason, you put star Wars onto a video game. Chances are, I'm going to play it. I think yeah, we I, could probably get uh, uh, a consensus of all five of us. How about the worst star Wars game? Episode one for PlayStation. <laughs> Actually, I played that for the PC, and I remember having such a hard time with the uh, controls. Yeah, but, I couldn't figure it out at all. I got so lost in that I, game. I can't no, believe, I can't believe we're not going back to, I was going to say, The Empire Strikes Back on the Atari. That was an no. awful game. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah, just a continual battle of Hoth. It was like... You know, I, I, thought you were gonna, I thought you were going to say uh, there's something like Masters of Tarascasi for the PlayStation. Mm, ooh, that was pretty. The, the fighting video game, which was yeah. gave a, had Darth Vader going up against Han Solo with a with a blaster. I'm like, you seen that in the movie? It doesn't work well. <laughs> or uh, what was it? The Connect Star Wars game. That's no. Oh thing. yeah. You know. Yeah, my kids they have a Wii lightsaber Clone Wars game that isn't great because the movements that you make with the Wii controller do not correspond to what the character does on the screen. So it's just almost unplayable. That yeah, one would probably be mine. Those. I, I never played those. 
you're not missing much. <laughs> yeah, you know. Wasn't there a, a Star Wars Dance Dance Revolution game or yeah. something? That was the yeah. Connect Star Wars. That was the one that had Star Wars theme songs, and because the Connect was the video camera that copied your moves, and it's you're also, supposed to dance to it, and it's um, got the it's got the awesome Han Solo uh, song, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> The first no time language. I heard that first time I heard that song, I wanted to just take my console and just throw it out the window. <laughs> but that song is totally getting edited into this show. I'm just telling you. But um, yeah, so no, great. I I love getting y'all's feedback on that. Um, we appreciate having some folks from the Gulf Coast community on the show. Um, I know you guys have done some Comic-Cons and things of that nature. Uh, you obviously have, have guys have both worked in local film production and entertainment as well. Um, I did want to kind of pick your brain and, and ask you if there's any insight that you have into, um, that community that you know either the nerd community or the film community or the overlap between the two um do we think like this area of the country gets enough credit for its contributions to sci-fi fantasy culture to film um you not get enough credit are we underserved here you know like you guys have any kind of thoughts about any of that I don't think we really get enough credit for really anything down here. <laughs> you know, I mean, you look at New Orleans, like New Orleans gets a lot of attention for stuff, um, but not enough. And then you look at Mississippi. I mean, Mississippi is the, you know, the birthplace of American music. And people look at us like we're a bunch of bumpkins here. And we're really, I mean, pretty much north of I-10, yeah. But here on the coast, we're, we're pretty we're pretty modern. <laughs> and then you look at, you know, the, the community of people it, between new Orleans and, and Pensacola, especially like either, whether it's the, the comedy scene or, you know, the, the film scene, uh, you know, the, the nerd scene, whatever the, the, the convention scene, like it's all kind of of a small community and it's pretty tight knit, you know, and uh, you know, I'm all, oh, I've so many. I've made so many friends that live like in New Orleans to Pensacola, just from you know uh, from the acting community to to the comedy scene, and it's awesome because everybody kind of knows each other, you know, and it, and it's it's pretty cool actually. It well, seems I, like it would be accepting too. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to throw out there real quick. I, I think uh, a true measure of just the sheer amount of fandom that we have, especially here in Pensacola, is Pensacon, which happens every February for those who aren't from the from the area. But every year it has grown exponentially to the fact that it's outgrown its original venue. And it has to use the Pensacola Little Theater, uh, the Rex Theater, uh, other venues downtown. So it's not just a convention held in a hockey arena it truly takes over downtown and other yeah. other venues will get into the spirit of Pensacon because we have this uh restaurant here called the fish house and they deck out their restaurant in harry potter attire 
every year for Pensacana. You have other restaurants that will do the same thing. Like you'll have ones that theme it after Star Wars, Star Trek, uh, Nintendo. You know, so it, it's cool seeing not just people go to a uh, hockey arena and get autographs, but the whole town embraces it. And I think that speaks volumes to the community. Yeah, I mean, I've been going since the, the first year and to watch it grow into what it's what it has i mean it has literally taken over the entire city of pensacola you know the downtown area is nothing but everywhere you go it's pensacon something going on somewhere so if you're looking for probably the most underrated con in america it's it's pensacon like that whole city is just it, it's great. There's something going on everywhere, every minute of the day for three solid days. It's impossible for you to do everything because yeah. every year there's always three or four things where I'm like, man, I wish I could have gotten to do that. But it's just there's so much going on. You just don't have the time. Yeah, I think that's just one of those things that that maybe has flown under some people's radars that, that Pentagon has gotten as big as it has. Um, so I just I really appreciate that you guys were would speak to that on the show because I, I know some of our audiences in new Orleans, um, they're probably used to going, um, to, you know, we have the, our con every January, but it's, you know, it's pretty much just in the convention center and it's pretty much the same thing every year. Um, and it's so, worth like, the drive. If any of your yeah. listeners want, want to go to Pensacon, you know, get your tickets early, get your, you know, you got Airbnbs and, um, uh, and, uh, hotel prices are relatively reasonable. Uh, I, last year, I think I rented a hotel, um, just right off of the interstate. It was about a mile away from the convention center. It's not a long drive. And I think I paid $99 for the whole weekend. You know, it's not that expensive to stay over there. So it's a really good, um, you know, save up a couple hundred bucks and go to Pensacon and, and there will not be disappointed. And there are, it looks like for 2021, there are some Star Wars guests. So they've Always. got yep. uh, somebody from the Mandal, a couple of people from the Mandalorian. Um, actually, it looks like three. Then there's uh, several from Star Wars. So Didn't they have Jeremy Bullock? Was it last year or year before? It was pretty recent. It was, yeah. it might have been two or three years ago. But the cool thing about Pensacon is they don't, they're not geared towards just one specific fandom. If you're a Star Wars fan, there will be someone there. If you're a Star Trek fan, someone's there. They even have wrestlers that are there, which I, I personally find really cool. So they they have something for everyone, which is one of the reasons why I think they've been as successful as they have. Of course, you know, this is all COVID dependent. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But, but Dave, it's Florida. With all due respect to Derek, here, it's Florida. So COVID. Yeah. Yeah. What's yeah. What's COVID? It's not around here. Yeah, it's just pneumonia over there. I forgot. But yeah, but going back to the, like the guests at Pensacon, there's so many cool people to meet there. Like the year before, I met the guy that played the original uh, um, creature from the Black Lagoon. Like just people like that that you get to meet and you're like, holy crap. There's, you know, we, a, we met Charles Martinet. That's, you know, that's who I got to sign my poster back there. Derek has the same poster signed by him too. I went to a, a convention. It was a small little convention in Omaha, Nebraska. And I bought like the VIP package because and it allowed, there was like a, um, got to 
basically have kind of a mixer with like a lot of the guests. So I split, I, you know, I, I shared a beer with the guy who played low gray. Um, I sat <laughs> down um, at a table and had a conference. My brother-in-law and I did with a guy. I, I want to think he was the original Leatherface. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was like, so just all these, yeah, it's the, the, the cons are a lot of fun. A lot of the guests really get into them as well. So. My favorite Pensacon memory of all time is my, our good friend uh, of the show, Wally Phelps, who was my co-writer on Monsters Anonymous. We were um, at Pensacon and we had walked across the street to the hotel, the Grand Hotel, and we went into the bar uh, there after, kind of after the the convention shuts down at, what, like five, five or six? Yeah. And then everybody kind of goes over to the hotel. So well, we went over there and me and Wally walk into the bar. And we walk in a little bit and, you know, we're just looking around and we hear some commotion behind us and we look around and there is uh, Ric Flair sitting at the table with like seven women around him. And Wally just looks at me and goes, "Woo!" <laughs> <laughs> I, I might actually get my wife to go to this one because I'm seeing guests uh, is uh, there's two from the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's going to be Mac and Yo-Yo. And those were two of our favorite characters on that. We just binged watched all of Agents of Shield uh, about a month ago. But anyway, I digress. So now that sounds like fun. Cool. There's somebody. There's somebody there for everybody to meet. Whatever your fandom is, they probably got somebody there you're going to want to meet. Well, cool enough. Um, so I, you know, if you guys are great with it, why don't we transition to our um, main topic? Which let's uh, do it. Sure. Yeah. We're going to name our three favorite top Halloween themed video games. And I think we'll just go around the horn. Um, I'm going to start because I only have one. <laughs> <laughs> it's, sure. not, it's not that I don't like, that I don't like games. It's just that it's, it, this was, you know, it was just kind of a stretch for me. Uh, but I have to say that the one I've really gotten into um, is uh, Luigi's Mansion 3. Um, on the switch yeah. that is just a fun it's a cute fun little game it's like you know mario brothers meets ghostbusters meets mm -hmm. um almost a little bit of like the incredibles you know um and it's just like i said it's just a cute fun it, when i get done with work it's just nice to sit on my couch and like i said it's that it's exactly what i needed during this whole pandemic thing i didn't need it's nothing heavy like i said it's just a yeah, but still, it's you know, there's some. It looks cutesy, but there's some challenging aspects to it. So um, and that's know, what like, Nintendo has perfected over the last thirty-five years. Uh, but so that that is my that is my favorite. I'm going to throw my least favorite out. Just this, it's not my least favorite problem. Well, so today, first of all, I went on the Switch. I went on to the, um, um, you know, the the Nintendo, just the the classic NES thing. I was flipping through games, looking for, you know, something to maybe share. And I, I was like, oh, Ghosts and Goblins. I've never played that before. And I was like... <laughs> 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 That's like jumping into the ocean like, not knowing how to swim. 
I was like, <laughs> what a pile of crap this is. And I was like, all right, let's uh, let, no, I'm done playing this. Uh, that's just a bad game. So anyway, those are my two. But I look forward to learning from the rest of you. So that yeah. that, that NES game, Ghost and Goblin, that's going to tear you a new one. Yeah, I me, mean, and, me and Derek have already covered those, I think, last year or the year before. I did the Nintendo version. He did the Super Nintendo version. And we both were... Too hard, man. Game's too hard. That that game was Dark Souls before Dark Souls existed. And then it screws you up because when you actually do finish the game, guess what? That's not the true ending. You have to go through the whole game again. Right. Nope. No, thank you. (laughs) Did it once. I'm done. Yep. It's more like punishment than a victory. Yeah. (laughs) It really is. You're like, you're going to do it again. <laughs> so have have you played Luigi's Mansion Three? Either of you? Uh, I, I have. Not. I have. I, I love the whole Luigi's Mansion series. Uh, even um, you back to the first one, which I think is extremely underrated, and even the the 3DS version is really good. But uh, Luigi's Mansion Three is, you know, it, it's it's a fun, really fun game. It's I love that franchise. Like you said, it's Mario Brothers meets Ghostbusters, which I think is actually a surprisingly good marriage. And I was glad that they gave Luigi a spotlight and he is in a series that stands out above. Like it's not just a typical Mario game. It's actually something with a cool little element to it. Yeah, I would agree. It's 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 just been like I said, it's a nice little decompress, you know, don't have to put too much thought into anything, but you know, after work. So Cool. All right. Well, I, I guess, Derek, let's start with you. Well, I, mean, I kind of gave m- one of mine away, but it is the original Luigi's Mansion for the GameCube. I remember when this game came out, a lot of people gave it more hate than I felt like it deserved because I remember playing it and I was like, this is actually kind of a cool new avenue in the Mario universe because you can look at other Mario games and they add new elements that actually work rather than just the straight up platformer game. My one gripe is that it is way too short. I if I sit down and play it, I can beat it in a couple of hours and it's just done. But I think it opened the door to the sequels, which I think all in all are probably better games, but I've got a lot of fun memories with Luigi's Mansion. Cool, Jason. Uh, my number three is going to be Zombies Ate My Neighbors for the Super Nintendo. Um, Derek just uh, uh, reviewed the sequel on this week's episode of Nerd Cave Retro. What was it called Ghoul Patrol? And I didn't even know it existed until <laughs> you were reviewing it for this week. But the original Zombies Ate My Neighbors, if you're a fan of, you know, like 50s era, like horror, sci-fi, you know, weird kooky kind of you know that genre of weirdness then zombies ate my neighbors is is direct like from that you know that genre it's just it's weird it's funny it's it's got strange enemies and you know it's got the overhead views and like different weapons you can get and cool weapons like where uh, a, a weed whacker where you can kind of <laughs> mow down zombies and it's just it's really cool and if you guys have never played it i highly highly recommend zombies ate my neighbors fredo so i'm gonna start off with uh left for dead actually the left for dead series uh, i played the 
it was a this was coming from Valve, the people who uh, brought you Steam and everything else. Uh, uh, but back when they used to make video games, <laughs> hashtag uh, Half Life Three. Uh, anyway, uh, but no, they used there was this was this game where you could either play solo or with four friends, and the idea is you're in the middle of the zombie apocalypse and you're trying to get away. And I played Left 4 Dead 2 first because they had a whole level set up in New Orleans. You actually fight your way through uh, through the French Quarter to try to get to the river where you can get a boat or a helicopter to get you to escape. So, but it was really, it was just a fun time. You can get, like if you're playing with other people, um, they would have moments where you could just, you know, again, shotguns and blasts and trying to get through the zombie horde. And then there's moments where you're trying to go real quiet because there might be one of the witches around. And basically it was this character that she made this gigantic scream would bring the entire zombie apocalypse upon your doorstep. So. That was, a, that was a fun game. Dave? Yeah, I'm going to go with, uh, for my third one, um, Doom. Uh, just, there's nothing quite like destroying um, hmm. zombies and creatures and uh, blowing them away with shotguns and chainsaws and all that fun gore. Um you know, you may not think of it as a typical Halloween horror game, but it definitely had a lot of those elements in it. Um, and it just uh, it just holds up, you know. It's one of those games. It was an important game, but um, you can you can pop it in and, and destroy some people for a little while and still have fun with it even today. So I've actually been thinking about streaming the uh, the Super Nintendo port of that game on Twitch. Because I know that the guy that programmed the built the engine for that game is the one who built the uh, program the the Super Nintendo port for that game. I think it was the um, a lot of people talk about was it the N sixty four port that people really like, or I can't remember which port. I'd have to go look, but I yeah, I usually played it on PC back in the day and really liked it on that. Um, so I, I mostly stayed away from the ports at the time, but I had a computer class when I was in. I remember I was in eleventh grade in a computer programming class, and if we got done with our work early in class, we could we would it was a mad dash to see who could get done with their work first. And we would go and she had this little uh, you know little tray of the three and a half inch floppy disks at the front of the classroom, and it was a fight to who could get Doom first or. Uh, um wolfenstein oh how, how teaching has changed yeah we would <laughs> yeah, so we played doom think, for the rest of the class period <laughs> i think i think doom has been frowned upon since about 1996 now so yeah you know what i'll say about that though too which is really part of the reason i'm so attached to that game and i love it to this day is my dad exposed me to that game um of all people like he like he didn't want to buy a console back in the day it's like why you can play games on the computer you know and, and you know they were never as good as what you could play on the nintendo or the super nintendo um so it was like pulling teeth uh to convince him to let me get a console at some point and then out of the blue he introduces me to doom <laughs> And I'm like, this is pretty violent, but okay, let's go for it. Look, I remember, and this is, I remember being in high school, senior year, so this is 95, 
and somebody have found a way to put Doom, the video game, in their TI-85 graphing calculator. Yeah. So they, have so they have programmed <laughs> it so they could take it on the go, and they could just, you know, pop it out, and they'd just be playing it kind of like a Game Boy back in those days or like how everybody plays uh, online on their phones now. And it was like, wow. it blew my mind at that moment. Of course, black and white, but it didn't matter. You're still you know, playing Doom. Somebody literally, well, it was about two or three weeks ago, literally figured out how to to play Doom on a pregnancy test. <laughs> I'm not kidding. You can look this up. Like the little LED screen on the pregnancy test, somebody figured out how to play Doom on. I don't know how they did it, but I, I wow. heard about this on, I think, the, the Completely Unnecessary podcast. They were talking about it. I was like, that is weird. Like that just goes to prove, you know, during this whole lockdown, people have way too much time on their hands. <laughs> yep. Derek, what's uh, number two on your list? So uh, I'm, it would be Zombies Ain't My Neighbors, but since uh, Jason took that one, I'm actually going to go with its sequel, the game that I reviewed uh, this week on Nerd Cave Retro, and that is Ghoul Patrol. Plays very similar zombies ate my neighbors if you jump in and you've played the first one you're not missing anything out like it plays exactly the same it adds a cool a uh, few cool details that make it a little bit easier in a way so like when you're on your screen and you're trying to rescue all the victims and everything it actually lets you know how many you have left before you can move on to the next area the music's really good it's easy to just jump in and play and i got sucked in when i was playing it you know leading up to my review of it and it's just so much fun again like i mentioned with lego star wars it's one that you don't have to put a ton of thought into you can just jump in you can easily figure out how to play it music's great the graphics are really good for the super nintendo era they've got some cool looking characters and bosses it's just an overall really really fun game See, I wish they would put those on Nintendo Switch Online, Zombies Ate My Neighbors and Ghoul Patrol, because I think that would be fantastic to be able to play two-player, you know, online with a friend. Like, me and you could just hop oh, on yeah. and play Zombies Ate My Neighbors over, you know, uh, on Nintendo Switch Online. I mean, it's it'd be perfect for that. Come on, Nintendo. You, you're, <laughs> you're killing me. <laughs> now would be the perfect time to do it because it's October. Yeah. Absolutely. Jason, what's number two on your list? Uh, number two is Castlevania, the original Castlevania for the NES. Um, it was the game that got me into uh, and introduced me to the original, uh, you know, Universal monsters like Dracula and the Mummy and and Frankenstein because you got to fight all them in the game, and so that kind of led me down a path of watching those old black and white movies when I was a kid and that game as a direct lineage to monsters anonymous you know the movie that i made because i love those old monsters so much and speaking of castlevania um this month there there's a, a high score tournament called the rgb high score tournament uh they do one every month and this month is castlevania and it's like 25 different players and see who can get the the fastest score to beat castlevania and i'm going to be a part of it and it's um my time it's going to be all next week so if you go on twitch and look up hashtag rgb high score you'll get to follow all the people that are going to be in the tournament and uh, my time slot is going to be friday night um the 16th from 8 to 10 
on my Twitch channel. I'll be now playing is, Castlevania. Is Castlevania? I was looking. I, it, is that on the on the Nintendo Switch? They don't have that on the Nintendo. Uh, no, but you can get the the Konami. Um, what do they call it? The Konami uh, Castlevania uh, pack or whatever. It's oh, like okay. 20, 20 bucks and you get like the original castlevania one two three um i think super um i can't remember what it's got a bunch of different of the early castlevanias on it that you can play because i do remember playing castlevania when i was in in high school when the nes came out and that was uh that was a, a fun game yeah it's rough it's not easy <laughs> but it's still like just the whole aesthetic of that game just i love it I, I could play that game all the time, even even though I've been cursing a lot lately, trying to <laughs> be able to beat it in under 30 minutes is, has been a challenge. I, I beat that game exactly once, and I, I declared victory. <laughs> <laughs> Fredo, what's next on your list? Uh, next on my list, actually, I'm going to go back to getting the first PC I ever got, and it's actually... It's a little known game called The Seventh Guest. Oh, on the PC. Basically, I reviewed it was, that. It was a puzzle game, and it was one of those games where you still were still getting it on CD-ROM, and you would get like acted scenes along digital backgrounds. But the whole idea behind it was there was this party at this guy creepy guy's mansion that nobody ever came out of, and you're trying to solve the puzzle. Who the seventh guest is? Because it's only six, and look that. I always remember that second puzzle, the one with the cans, trying to spell stuff out. That would kill me. Yeah. Took me like a whole day to figure it out. <laughs> but it was very straightforward. It was all very much creepy music, stuff banging, you know, like audio stuff banging, and uh, all very much a Halloween motif. And it, it was just like I, I go back and like I'll watch somebody like uh, doing a Let's Play on YouTube of it. I'm just laughing about it now because back then I was like, oh, my God, you, you can play a video game on a computer. So it was amazing back then. The cool thing about that game is uh, it came with the actual soundtrack mm -hmm. disc. And I was that weird kid in high school that I would drive around listening to the soundtrack of that game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was perfect. It was great atmosphere. It, but it's one of those things that, you know, you realize you can do a lot with just setting up the mood and the music and the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it, it, can, it can suck you right in. And I love that for it. It's still available on Steam if anybody's interested in playing that. I think you can get it for like $2 nowadays. And it's a remastered version of the game. So if you have a Steam account, go pick it up. I, if you like puzzle games, I highly recommend it. That game had a sequel too, um, The yeah. 11th Hour. Mm -hmm. I remember playing that as well. Ah, those PC games from the 90s. I miss those days. <laughs> well, Dave, what's next on yours? Um, so I, I, I was going to go Castlevania as well. Uh, I think I, my thoughts on Castlevania is, are that you can really not go wrong from the eight bit, 16 bit era. Um, once you get into 32 bit, it begins to become a little bit more dicey. Um, mm. the quality goes up and down quite a bit, but, um, from that era, um, I th I think I'm gonna I would go with Rondo of Blood, which is the uh, Turbo Graphics uh, PC Engine mm -hmm. um, Castlevania game, and it came out on CD in Japan, 
and then it just sort of languished in Japan and never made it to the States until like, I don't even want to say, was it the Wii that it got ported finally? Um, I think it was the Wii era for the virtual console that it finally got ported to the States. That sounds um, right. Yeah. And this game is just so good. Um, I, I love the polish of it and how it plays and how it feels like that traditional sort of Castlevania experience. Um, but just, you know, bigger and brighter and bolder. And um, it's just, I, I think I would encourage everybody to check it out. If you have the means it's on the TurboGrafx 16 mini now mm. um, it's been ported a few different places. I think it's on, one of the anniversary collections that came out like a year or two ago. I think it is on that Konami anniversary collection. That's one of the ones that's on it. Um, and that's, that's the game I'm reviewing for next week's show. Cause one of our listeners sent us a turbo turbo graphic 16 mini. And uh, I was looking through the PC engine and I saw it on there. I was like, Oh, this is what I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And I, I, you know, it's one of those games that, like, I had a TurboGrafx-16 when I was a kid. I had, I did not have the means to import a game <laughs> and figure out how to make it work and all this and, you know, hope for the best and use my parents' credit card to do all this. Um, so it was just a non-starter. Um, so that was just one of those games that I had to wait and wait and wait to play. And... For me, it lived up to, to all that waiting. So, Derek, is this your is this going to be your number one Halloween game? All right. So, what's your what is your favorite Halloween game? So, my number one actually really surprised me because it was a game that I had heard of, and I knew it had a little bit of a cult following on the GameCube, but I never played it until I reviewed it for the podcast, and that is Eternal Darkness. I don't know if you guys have ever played it, but the, the gameplay and the story is really cool because you bounce between so many different time periods. You, you start in current time, or at that time was 2000, but then you go back to, to France, and you go to uh, Persia, you go to so many different variety of places. And the cool mechanic is when you're fighting the undead, the longer you fight them, the more insane your character becomes. So things like, you know, your screen will flicker on and off. The controls will be all jacked up. You'll get a game over screen when the game's not really over. So little things like that. Like, I just loved the design of the game. I thought the story was great. It reminded me of, like, an old school, like, horror anthology film. It's really, really fun. And I hate that I missed out on its initial run, but I was so happy that I played it for um you know leading up to reviewing it on the podcast but if you haven't checked out eternal darkness highly recommend it really fun very cerebral type of game if you're into that but so good cool jason what's your uh, number one halloween um, game my number one if you'd have asked me two years ago i would have said you know the original playstation 2 n64 version of resident evil 2 mm -hmm. um because I had it for the uh, the Nintendo 64, and I, that was my favorite game. To this day, it's still one of my favorite games of all time. 
but then they did the remaster remake last year or you know was it last year it was last year yeah early last thing it was february last year they released it holy crap they made that game everything i could have asked for you know they fixed the original the tank controls that were you know on the harsh camera angles and all that all that's gone they went to the over the shoulder you know locked third person position and the, everything that you remember from the original game is still there, but they've added so much more. And I cannot recommend that game enough. And it still does the same thing where you play through. You can either play as, uh, um, oh, crap, what's his name? Uh, oh, Leon. Yeah, Leon or Claire. And, you you know, what? it's still like what you do in one game affects the other. So, you know, it, it's... It's such a cool concept, and I wish they still did that in video games where you have you can play two different campaigns of the same story, and what you do in one story affects the other. You know, I wish they would do more of that type of stuff. And that was the kind of the first game to do that, and I think really the only game ever since to do that. But the remake is so good, and if you guys haven't played it, you're missing out on one of the best video games of all time. Uh, I still remember trying to play that game on the PlayStation, the original PlayStation, and where you had to turn by play, pressing on the on the buttons up at the top. Yeah, I died so many times at the start of that game, and you're surrounded <laughs> by you know you finally get off the cutscene, you finally got in control, and the zombies are just upon you. And you're like, come yeah. on, really? Because <laughs> I, I did a, I did a, a review of the original N64 version and I used to love that game back in the day. I mean, I must have played through that the both of those campaigns at least 20 times. And then I went I hadn't played it in, you know, 18 years or so and went back and played it with that original N64 controller and those tank controls and the bad camera angles and I was like, "Man, <laughs> this game is broken." But then they came out with the, the remake, the remaster, and man, that's such a great game. Cool Perfect for Halloween. Yeah, Fredo, what's your what's your top one? Well, it's gonna sound like cheating to include Castlevania again, but I'm cheating because I'm going Symphony of the Night. Oh which, yeah. If you have not played it, is amazing. I mean, you cannot look. You know, you look at the original Castlevania and you look at Symphony of the Night. And it's like a leap forward in terms of everything. It's like they took everything to learn from Rondo of Blood and the SNES, and they just they amp up the speed. The color palette is just beautiful. All the you know villains are still there, so it's still very much Castlevania, but it's just so much more in it. I love the idea of okay, you beat one, like you beat the castle, and then it flips to night, and now you're flipping it around, and you have to do the castle upside down again. So. You know, they were. That was one of those things that I was like found like innovative at the time. Like, oh my god, I can't believe nobody thought of this before. And the only sad thing about it is that it became so copied and pasted by Konami afterwards. They were like, oh, this was so great. Let's do it again. Let's do it yeah. again. They really, uh, you know, killed themselves until they had to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> That's just yeah. such a great game, and like you said, like the dynamic of how do you think the game's over and it's not um in ghouls and ghosts like that's like pulling your teeth out but in a game that you're actually enjoying 
um, already, yeah, it's a joy. You're like, mm -hmm. oh, good, I get to keep playing this. And Symphony of the Night's one of those games. I wish yeah. that, that Konami would come out with a new Castlevania game, but do it in the style of like Devil May Cry with that kind of combat system. Right. Ooh, I'd be so into that. Look, they've been, you know, Konami's been letting stuff language there for a while because they've been making pachinko machines. But yeah, I would love for them to come out and just start, you know, because this, I mean, these are properties people love. You come out, I mean, I played the last two Castlevania games, the Lords of Shadow uh, games, and <clears throat> you could tell the first one's okay, but the second one, like, they're not even trying. Yeah. <laughs> so, Dave, what's your top for Halloween? Well, um, I, I do want to give a special honorable mention to Silent Hill because we haven't oh. mentioned yes. Um And that's Silent really, Hill. it's very, very um, spooky, the atmosphere, you know, with the fog and everything. You know, that game was designed that way because of the limitations of the the gaming system at the time they couldn't uh render backgrounds in in in, um, in the way that they wanted to so they overlaid this fog effect um mm -hmm. and it just turns out it just matched the 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 story perfectly um but yeah i'd say you know honorable mention silent hills um but i'm gonna stay in the metroidvania category and go with super metroid uh, as my top entry and again is it you know is it strictly halloween i mean if you think about the space horror elements uh, of a game like this it's yeah. very much like alien you it's like you're playing alien you're you're wandering around these abandoned corridors that have been infested with these creatures that are trying to kill you well, that's um, the wonderful thing about those original Metroid games, like original Metroid and Super Metroid, is they were perfect at making you feel like you were alone on an alien planet, you know? Yeah, yeah, I just love it so much. And, and like, the, um, I, I think, like, you, you can't really overstate, like, how they just nailed the design of those games either, because it's just... I need this item to get, uh, you know, to jump over lava pits or what have you. And it's like, oh, wait, now I have this item. I need to circle all the way back to this other section of the mm -hmm. game. I bet there's something over there. Oh, there is something over there, you know. And they really, you know, they, they call it Metroidvania, that style of exploration game nowadays. Um, but it was really Metroid and Super Metroid um, that really pioneered that and um yeah you know if you want to get you know spooked out and creeped out and and have just an amazing gaming experience i'd i'd say super metroid is a great choice so two things right quick as you're mentioning uh uh playing an alien game alien isolation i don't know if you ever played it uh came out recently uh basically that it's it is like you're in your own alien movie it's you versus the alien and just go to youtube check out people playing it because people <laughs> get freaked out it's that they designed the xenomorph to be kind of procedurally generated but done in such a way that you never know where it is and it triggers like when it jumps out of nowhere and it catches people 
it just flips people out. The other thing I was going to mention, because you mentioned Silent Hill, I don't know if you were, anybody ever played PT. PT was a playable trailer that got released for about oh, half a year when uh, Guillermo del Toro and Norman Reedus were going to be working with Hideo Kojima to make Silent Hills. And basically the oh. whole idea is you're just, you're just going down this corridor and then, uh, <clears throat> and then uh, you know, spooky stuff happens. Check out people playing PT on YouTube because it is a fun experience just watching people freak out. What was interesting about it is when Hideo Kojima gets fired by Konami, they pulled PT free, because it was a free trailer from all the video game stores. So now people who downloaded it to their PlayStation are able to sell it for like three times the price. Wow. Because it's the only way you can play it. They, you, wow. know, you can't download it anywhere. You cannot <laughs> you know, go buy a disc from it anywhere. It was designed to be a playable trailer. But it is creepy. And it again, atmosphere uh, and uh, sound. And it's just really well done. But it's hilarious. Just go to YouTube, click uh, play in a PT and people playing. You see people freaking out. It's fun. Yeah, you mentioned Silent Hill. I wanted to say Silent Hill games, but I played Silent Hill 2 uh, <laughs> or the PlayStation 2. I had to stop playing it after a couple of days because it was literally giving me nightmares <laughs> playing that game. I had to stop playing it. I love the movie, though, the first Silent Hill movie. Right. Probably one of the best video game adaptations, movie adaptations there is. The mm -hmm. second one, terrible, but the first <laughs> one was really good. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a really good movie. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm calling an audible here just real quick because it's not a Halloween it, reference, but we are Star Wars podcast, and it is October, and what was released not too long ago. Um, have, uh, Jason, Derek, what are your uh, – have you played Squadrons, first of all, or what have you been hearing? Because we've been – it's called, like we're kind of getting some mixed uh, reviews on this game. I don't know what are your what are your thoughts on that so far, or what have you been hearing about um, Star Wars I've, Squadrons? I've kind of been hearing the same things. Like there's people that you're either gonna like it or you're gonna hate it, but you're not gonna love it. Like it's kind of um, like what people want, it's not giving you. And that's the biggest complaint I've heard is like you, people want to be able to, you know, lock your S foils in attack position, but you can't do that. But you want to be able to hit a button to go to hyperspace or something, but you can't do that. Like it's kind of very limited and they say it's an enjoyable game, but I, and from people that I trust that, that I listen to for, you know, different video game podcasts I listen to, they mostly say if you like Star Wars and you like, you know, the the kind of the dogfighting game, like I love the Rogue Squadron games for uh, the GameCube. You know, they say everybody's pretty much saying you, you'll like it, but you're not going to be like crazy about it. That's what yeah. I've heard, too, for the most part. Yeah, I was thinking of picking it up last week and then I was actually at Target when uh, uh, yeah, Dave, I think it was you, I said Aaron. They hit me up with the reviews, kind of going like, hey, I don't know about that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to wait for it to go on sale. And then, you know, I mean, it's a cheaper game than most, but, you know, if I pick it up for 20 bucks, I'm not going to feel bad about what it isn't versus what it is. You know what they need to do? They need to just redo the whole X-Wing and TIE Fighter games that were back yeah. in the day. Have two different games, X-Wing and TIE Fighter. 
and have it be sort of like a Pokemon. You know, like if you want to play TIE Fighters, you get this game. If you want to play, uh, you know, X-Wings, get this game. But you can play together and sort of like, a, you know, like a, what, what's the genre called now? The uh, Battle Royale kind yeah. of mode. Like that would be awesome to me, but have all the things you want to have in it. Like, like the S foils and like uh, be able to, you know, upgrade and customize your X-Wing or your TIE fighter. Like, I think that type of environment, like game environment would be absolutely awesome, but they don't want to give me money to think up ideas <laughs> like that. So. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't expecting you to make a Pokemon reference on the show. <laughs> but wouldn't that be awesome though like it, it, you just like you could do like you have a, like a bounty hunters like expansion pack where you get like um what's mando's ship called you could get that you could get razor slave crest. one yeah the razor crest you could get uh dash rendar's um was it the outrider the yeah, outrider like, you yeah. could get all those ships like like there's so much you could do with that genre but it's like Nobody sure. wants to make money these days. <laughs> like, you did that, take all my money. Yeah, because it'd be interesting, because if you factor in characters like bounty hunters, all of a sudden, they can't blow up the ship. They have to capture you. So it'd be more about, you know, lowering your shields, tractor beams, mm -hmm. getting you captured in order to get the bounty. So it's a yeah. different set of gameplay style that you have to adopt, as opposed to just being an extra pilot and just blowing up uh, TIE fighters out of the sky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that would be so cool. cool. I don't imagine like they give you the Millennium Falcon and you got to break through a blockade, like an Imperial blockade. You know, yes. there's a whole mode of okay, we're all gonna run. Let's see who who can get away from it. And what would be cool is if you do get the Millennium Falcon, it could be you and three and two of your friends, like one of one of you pilots and the other two are you know controlling the uh, the top turret and the bottom turret. Mm -hmm. That's money in the bank, man. <laughs> Smugglers run the video game. That's yes. right. Yeah, so still we can go to Disney World now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess you can, but yeah. Because uh, COVID doesn't exist in Florida like we just discussed here. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Derek. Um, any, okay, so let's go back to Halloween just real quick before we wrap up. Any honor, other honorable mentions? Dave already gave out some honorable mentions, and he's big on honorable mentions because he can't choose his favorite. Um, he has to give so you know. Uh, but anybody else have any honorable mentions they want to throw out? Uh, I'll throw one out there. Um, there's like some games that I got on Steam called Outlast. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of those games? They are nightmare inducing especially if you play it in the dark by yourself because they take place in a mental asylum and you don't have a weapon so the only thing you can do is run you're just trying to figure out what's going on to to progress the story but there are crazy people in there there are you know mad scientists like just crazy crap going on around you you have no weapons so if somebody's coming at you wanting to kill you the only thing you can do is run so you just panic and you see like it's one of those type of games. It's panic inducing. So if you're, if you're, if that's up your alley, try the outlast games on steam. I was going to mention right quick, uh, because we talked about resident evil, uh, parasite Eve. I don't know if anybody ever played that on the oh, yeah. PlayStation, which actually was their first M rated game. I didn't realize that. Well, 
missing college. And it's the idea it's you're playing, it's again, it's a turn based, but it's very much you're a rookie cop at a opera show and people just start combusting. And it has to do with, you know, all sorts of evil stuff and demonic stuff and biology. And it's really interesting. It's, it, was, it was actually fun. Again, it's, you know, one of the things, you know, that they used to do back in those days because you didn't have the graphical power of today. They really poured it into the story and to put it playing in a setting where you felt like you had just enough power to uh, be able to overcome stuff. But, you know, we're going to give you a big ugly tentacle monster too. <laughs> Got to love I'll good tentacle monsters. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I'll throw out there a game that Jason actually introduced me to, uh, Bloodstained. Curse of the Moon. Oh yeah! God, why did I not? Why did I forget about Bloodstain? Holy crap! Very, it's extremely inspired by um, Castlevania. It's available for the Switch. Uh, Jason reviewed it on the show, and like, the more he described it, I was like, I've got to play this game. And like that night after we did the show, I downloaded it and started it, and I couldn't put it down. It's really good. If you like Castlevania, go check it out. I think the one other game I would like to mention would be the Maniac Mansion. Yes. yes. Or, or at least the LucasArts um, point-and-click games from that era in general were all really, really good. Um, and I think Maniac Mansion is probably the most um, spooky, scary one of the bunch. So um, I, would, I would recommend people check that one out if they're into point-and-click at all. By the way, uh, do we count night? Do we count night trap as a horror game? No. But <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of the point and click, one thing, one I, I forgot that's really good, uh, especially for the Nintendo, the NES was Shadowgate. And um, if you guys ever played Shadowgate, that that was a great point and click adventure. Really spooky, and the, the Halloween aesthetic, you know, great game to play for Halloween. And they're actually, I, I don't know if it's out yet, but they're doing a, a remaster of it for PC. And I, I'm really looking forward to that when that comes out. So Derek and Jason, first of all, thank you so much for joining us tonight. This has been awesome. Uh, I, now I have a lot of games that I want to go play. So, <laughs> so thank you. Uh, I, I get kind of just kind of tunnel vision on just, some games um so that's that's my fault um but can you tell our listeners how they can find you online a little bit more about your your podcasts and things like that you go first eric well yes yeah, uh you can check out our show the nerd cave retro podcast we're on all forms of social media at nerd cave retro you can subscribe to the show on apple podcast spotify anywhere you get your podcast uh we're also on Twitch. We stream every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Central Time uh, at twitch.tv slash jfunktastic. We're also on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And if you want to check out my solo podcast, The Derek Diamond Experience, uh, every week I interview someone in the world of film, whether it's a director, actor, writer. Uh, those shows drop every Thursday on all podcasting platforms and you can follow me on social media at D diamond podcast. Yeah, and you can follow me at J funktastic. Uh, definitely follow nerd cave retro. It's at nerd cave retro everywhere. Instagram, Twitter, uh, nerd cave retro.com. Um, and if, 
people want to uh, support us on Patreon, uh, where we stayed above the $50 level, we do a commentary track every month. And this month we did Mortal Kombat, the 1994 uh, movie, and that's going to be dropping for the oh. public. How, how did we? How, I'm sorry, Friday. really quick. How did nobody? I, I, yeah, I, I could have. I could have <laughs> brought up Mortal Kombat for crying yeah. out loud. Because it's not a scary game. It's more you wanted to rip somebody's head off and yeah. <laughs> take out their heart from their beating chest. I love that movie, Mortal Kombat. That it's like one of my favorite B movies of all time. So I'll definitely be listening to that. It's been my favorite movie that we've done a, a commentary for so far. We've done a few movies. Like Double Dragon was the worst. Oh God! Absolute <laughs> worst, but but a very fun commentary because yeah. the movie is so bad. Mm -hmm. uh, we did Super Mario Brothers, um, you know, Mortal Kombat. Just go, go check Street us out. Fighter. Yeah, Street the Street Fighter. Uh, <laughs> I called Van Dam. That was a fun one to do. Look, uh, it was just a Tuesday. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I have another show that I do, uh, the Open Micers Podcast, where it's all about. You know, people in the trenches of the entertainment industry, um, whether it be comedians, actors, musicians. We actually, the show we just did right before we recorded this, which will be dropping on uh, Saturday. Uh, we just talked to, and I, I didn't even know this was a thing, but it's the horror rap genre. Have you guys heard of horror rap? Mm -hmm. No. Uh -uh. Yes. And it sounds awesome. So I'm going to go check out this guy. His name is The Real TNT, T-H-A. R-E-A-L-T-N-T. -T. And you can find his stuff on uh, Spotify and everywhere. I'm going to listen to that tomorrow because I just met him tonight and he showed up on the show with like the skull mask and everything. And I was like, this dude's awesome. I'm going to listen to his stuff. <laughs> so go check us out at Open Micers uh, on Twitter and uh, Facebook. Cool. Right on. And for our listeners, you can find us on, uh, on Podbean, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts. And we're online as well, Hoodat Jedi Podcast. You can find us uh, Facebook, Twitter, and then Fredo, Dave, and I. We, we just like talking about Star Wars and stuff uh, anytime we can. Anytime we can deviate from work for a while and nerd out a bit, that'd be awesome. So uh, thank you all for listening once again. Hope everybody's staying safe. Um, last I saw, by the way, um, the Bears were beating the Bucks 14-13. Uh, to 13. So yeah, make uh, I, I don't know, uh, Derek, Florida. Are you a Tampa Bay fan or? I'm actually a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Okay, well then that makes all the sense in the world. Uh, so, so good because why not? So so it's okay if we make Tom Brady cry. Then all right, you can it. make as many Tom Brady jokes as you want, and it will not offend me whatsoever. Very cool. I'm all a right. lifelong Saints fan over here, so. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, everybody have a great week. And uh, until then, we will all say, well, those of us who are Saints fans say, who that? Who that? And I don't know. What do Steelers fans say? We chant, here we go, Steelers. I, I won't torture your listeners by doing that. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Everybody have a great week. Thank you again, Jason and Derek, for joining us. It's been awesome. Oh, thank and, you for having us. Yeah, yeah, thank you. We'll see you next week. Ma tranquille.